information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. All information, content, and materials available on this podcast are for entertainment purposes only. The views and opinions expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Cultiva Law. Now, without further ado, here are your exquisite esquires, Mio Asami and Fabiola Jimenez. What's up, squad? It's your girls. <laughs> Back with me and Fabi, per use. Per use. Per use, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, get it, get it, get it, get it. All right, so today's going to be the kickoff of our business series, a four-part business series where we get to answer the very, very often asked questions when it comes to starting a cannabis business. I'm going to take lead on Washington. Mio's going to take lead on California. There's going to be some overlap, but there's always going to be some distinctions as well. Important distinctions. Very important distinctions. So we're going to do a quick overview. We're going to do kind of the overview of what business requirements are needed, some licensing requirements that are needed. That's what we're going to cover in today's episode. Hell yeah. The next episodes are going to go into a little bit more in depth. We're going to talk about branding. We're going to talk about issues when you have um, when you have your business up and right. um, liabilities. Liabilities. Exactly. Exactly. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty um, because as much as we like to take your money, it would also be <laughs> super beneficial to y'all to, to know. know all the stuff, yeah. man. You know, to know what you're asking us to do too. Yeah, it's exactly. Fun. It's really important to understand. These, these business basics, you yeah. know, that I, that I think a lot of people don't know exist or yeah. just don't take advantage of some of these structures um, that unfortunately by the time they get to us, it's kind of too late. Someone fucked up down the road, did something <laughs> weird. We had to come up and clean it up. It's, and it usually has to do with corporate formation documents and yeah. no yeah. one really understands the importance of those documents until there's something wrong. Yeah. yeah. You have yeah. A, a partnership dispute, your, your business is doing really well or not doing well. I mean, all Someone's these try to hostile take over the shit out of your business. 100%, 100%. Yeah. So there's a bunch of things that we, that we're going to have to cover. So weekly word is going to be entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. And you have to say it in that accent <laughs> Thank you very much. which dictionary.com describes, describes, defines, defines. it as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with, considerable initiative and risk. Mm, and we all know that that's exactly what you need to be successful <laughs> in this business. So. Everyone and their mom is an entrepreneur, so, you know. Shit, you know. that's true. That's true. That's real true. And then there's some people that really shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't fuck around with it's, being it's, it's one of those blanket occupations where it's like bachelor in your, yeah. <laughs> your occupation on bachelor is an entrepreneur. Okay. Remember that one dude that was like on the bachelor he's like former baby. <laughs> I didn't watch it either. It was like a fucking dumbass meme I saw that would not leave my for you page. <laughs> all right, all right. So get so get into the basics. First and foremost, starting a canvas business is just that. You are starting a business. And yeah. so one thing that people kind of gloss over are the basics of starting with a corporation with a limited liability um, company with a sole proprietorship or like a partnership. Those are the most common forms of, of business entity structures that we see. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> really, I mean, each of those have different, I mean, they're different for a reason, right? So, right. So when you're starting your business, you also, I mean, I think one of the initial things to think about is 
which one do I want to form? Exactly, exactly. So obviously, sole proprietorship is just that. It's one person, you're going out and you're pitching yourself as a business and saying, yo, I I sell weed. <laughs> and that's it. That's your business. You know, my name is my name is Fabi and I sell weed. DBA, I sell weed. Legitimate. I could actually totally go ahead and do that. Um, obviously, the risk with that is that there's no, there, you're the only person at fault. If yeah. she hits the fan, yeah. you're just the one person. There's no, there's nobody else that you can kind of shift the blame to or split the blame to, which brings us over to what is a partnership, right? Exactly that two people or more coming into a, a business enterprise. This can be formalized um, by yeah. formal partnership creation or it doesn't have, it to, doesn't be. have to be. It's yeah. just a partnership. But again, I think actually most, state partnership acts or state laws right mm -hmm. that talk about partnerships mm -hmm. say that you don't even have like you said you don't even have to have a formal um document that says exactly. we're a partnership right. you don't even have to even use the word partnership it just has exactly. to be two people that decide to go into business together and At decide least. to share in the liabilities and mm -hmm. the profits mm -hmm. of that business and again that so so this kind of it, you're able to kind of break up a little bit of that liability or yeah. break up that, that the, the profits. And so it's, it's good. It's good. And it's bad um, for the same reason. So, but once you get kind of past the two person mark and you're looking at creating something that's a little bit larger, my number one recommendation is to do an LLC, um, which is <laughs> I, what I consider like a baby company, right? You're yeah. starting off, yeah. it can grow massively. I've seen LLCs with tons of, of people in them, tons of investors, tons of members. I've, I've definitely seen run the gamut of that. And then I've also seen single member LLCs. Mm -hmm. And so the perk of an LLC is that it creates a barrier between um, you and, and the business. So your business does well, then your business does well. Your business does shit. People can't come after you because they can only come after the LLC. Yep. I mean, obviously. Well, legal terms, we like to say, you know, I mean, all of these technically have a corporate veil. It's called a corporate veil, mm -hmm. which is yeah, that corporate protection. Whereas an owner of the corporation, if the corporation goes south or whatever the fuck happens, you as an owner are not going to be liable, mm -hmm. but the business or the corporation is going to be liable. And that's, yeah. So we yeah. call that a corporate veil in, in legal terms. So And so that's, so when you're talking about sole prop and partnership, that corporate veil is much easy, is much it's more easy. easily pierced yeah. because there is no formalities that separate you and your business. So right. when you're talking about an LLC, you automatically create that barrier mm -hmm. that if someone is going to try to get to you personally for something that your business has done, yeah. They have to prove they that you pierce the corporate veil, which yeah. has in and of itself its other prongs and become. Well, I mean, depending how shitty this situation is, it, <laughs> it, it could be easily or not easily yeah. pierced. Yeah. So it it definitely varies. It's, yeah, it's not like an ironclad like way to to protect yourself. To yeah, yeah, but it does but. make it just slightly more difficult because. The, the policy reason is like you're taking the time and effort to create this business um, and to formalize it. And, right. and so you capitalism it comes <laughs> with some perks, right? And so then that takes us to the fourth most common business entity formation, which is a corporation. Um, I, I, the way I see it is once you create an LLC and you get kind of fancy schmancy, then you can go ahead and kick up and say, you know what? I'm ready to convert my entity from an LLC into a corp. There are a lot of number. There's the same. You get the same protections as an LLC, but you also get some perks on taxes and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
which which a lot which of people we like to i mean a lot of we work usually with startups right mm-hmm. and in even from a tax perspective or just kind of general maintenance perspective corporations also have a lot of formalities that you have to go through in order to maintain just kind of the cor- like i said the corporate formalities mm-hmm. um, versus an llc is not as costly to maintain you have less maintenance um, issues to think about so 100 100 yeah so for startups we like to recommend LLCs. Yeah, yeah, LLCs, and once, one, yeah, I said once other people start coming in, once it gets a little bigger, you graduate to a corporation. Yeah. Some people like to go straight into a corporation; they already understand the 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 structure. Highly recommend talking to a tax attorney or an accountant, oh, yeah. and they can really get into those details and the perks of, of of both. So, and each of those actually also to like kind of give like a, a little brief like legal lesson <laughs> each of these entities have different words for what essentially is an owner of the company right? right so when you have a corporation the owners who have you know equity in the company who are owners of the company those are shareholders um and then for llc's we have members mm-hmm. uh, or managers or managers yeah mm-hmm. Uh, but managers don't always have to be members either. That's right. They don't exactly. have, have ownership in the company, but they mm-hmm. still manage the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then partnership is yeah and then you know another difference corporations you know those those shareholders in the company are governed by the bylaws and the articles of incorporation there and when you're talking about an llc your entity is governed by an operating agreement basically these documents as labeled as they are really set out and lay out the structure for the business how it's yep. going to be run if it's going well this is what's going to happen if it's going bad this is what's going to happen our new shareholders coming in shareholders leaving new members coming in members are leaving and kind of everything in between and one of the one of the important things to remember is that these documents having these documents have definitely saved some of our clients a lot of headaches and have allowed pathways to resolve issues the lack of these documents have created incredibly, incredibly expensive litigation cases that we've had to handle that really honestly could have just been nipped in the butt if the documents had been had somewhere by someone. Yeah. Because when you don't have these documents, when you feel for a corporation, if you don't have bylaws, I mean, corporation also, you need, so you have bylaws, you have shareholders agreement. Mm -hmm. Those are two different documents that essentially is, does the same thing as what an operating agreement does for an LLC. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you don't have these documents, each state has their own laws for how these companies are governed. The right? default laws, yeah. And when you don't have them, your company will be subject to those default regulations, and those aren't always favorable for the actual owners. Exactly. It's not the best. Exactly. And a lot of the a lot of these, you know, default regulations or whatever it is can be whatever's written in there can be waived by having an operating agreement mm-hmm. saying, you know what, the laws say this, but we're going to do it this way. And states allow that. Usually. Exactly. So, exactly. so the, yeah, so these documents are incredibly important to the relationship that you have with your business and others have with your business. And so you kind of have and to take that. Well. Yeah. with your yeah. partner. So take that for what it is. Some people are right off the bat ready to go. Some people need a little bit of time. That's super fine. We deal with this all the time. So we're incredibly familiar with, with how these kind of interact with each other. So once you have your, your business entity set up, your corporation LLC set up, we're now moving into the actual business licenses. And so some people do not understand that that's like another totally different step that you have to take. <laughs> For Washington State, and I think, you know, California and Oregon yeah. are going to be the same thing, but at least for Washington State, 
my process is boom, I set you up with your SOS, get your business entity secretary, <laughs> sorry, secretary of state set up, I get you all ready to go. And then I, as soon as that that is set up, I go ahead and I start your um, state business license, which is tied into the Washington State Licensing Services, Washington State Department of Revenue. That's where you kind of pay all your taxes and kind of handle all this stuff. And that's like the business license that you post on your, your business, right? Um, and so that's, and that's a very different separate registration. Um, when you're doing a sole prop, a lot of people just forego, obviously, the Secretary of State registration and they just go straight into the state licensing because you still get a UBI. You still get some of those basic formations. Um, but the way that I like to do it is the Secretary of State first and then state business licensing. Um, and, and, you, and you're able to just kind of move forward with that. So um, that's kind of what allows you to um, if you're a sole prop, especially that's what allows you to do like a DBA, right? Yeah. You still like it, for people who are you just doing a sole prop and they don't want to do business under their own personal name and they still want to do business under something else, um, you want to register your DBAs and doing business as, mm-hmm. you want to register your trade name, your, your DBA mm-hmm. with the, the state. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. That's where business license also comes in. Um, at least that's Washington. California is kind of similar. Um, so same thing, you have SOS registry. Um, you want to register the business, and then instead of getting a state business license, California makes you get what's called a tax ID, CDTFA, the California Department of Tax uh, Tax and Fee Administration. Um, they give you the tax ID. They basically, that's your tax ID is just to make sure that your business is paying taxes <laughs> as it has to be. They want to make sure that they're collecting. So, <laughs> so it's not as simple as just, you know, registering with the Secretary of State. You also need to get that tax ID so that you can pay your tax, your business taxes um, as you need to. Exactly. So, so now in theory, you have your secretary of state registration, you have your state business license ready to fucking go. You have your operating agreement, you have your bylaws, whatever. You're you're set up, you're set up, you're ready to go. You're like, you know what? I'm ready. Cool. (laughs) Here we go. For Washington, you have to, you have to go ahead and register and get your license through the Washington state liquor and cannabis board. That is the governing body for cannabis licenses in Washington. So fucking weird. And I know for some people it's kind of difficult to think about this, but like the, the, the LCB is just this regulatory body. They get their information from the Department of Revenue or the Washington State Business Licensing Services where you get your state business license. So in, so in theory, while well, you don't have to have your secretary of state registration, if you're a sole prop or a partnership, regardless for you to even have a cannabis license, you do have to have a state business license um, through the state because that actual license itself um, identifies the location of your cannabis business, whether it's a farm or it's a store processing facility, that, that document in and of itself is very important. If your business license is not active, you will not have your your yeah. um, your cannabis yeah. license. It just won't. Not necessarily the same if your business is delinquent on the Washington Secretary of State. That might be an issue um, down the road, and I'd be kind of cranky about it. But it's not going to preclude you from getting your license. But if you're fucking Washington State business license, I'll fuck up. No, no, you're not. <laughs> That's not even, we're not even going to entertain that. We got to clean up that particular yeah. um, license up and then be able to go ahead and move forward. So as, as 
you get a license dropped into your lap, right? It's like, yo, I got a weed license. I'm going to sell some shit. Cool, cool, cool. So we have to submit your application to the Washington State Business um, Licensing Services. They look at it. They get their cut or their fees. They look, make sure everything's all good to go. And then they kick it off to the LCB. The LCB goes about their way of reviewing your application. Many people have gone through this. Um, go through the go through the application. Then they go ahead and take their cut of, <laughs> of their fees. Yes, to get this shit because no one works for free, bro. Um, and so then they do that. And so then by 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 beautiful grace, you get through all the stuff. You are now blessed with with a cannabis license to operate. So that's in Washington. Also interesting in Washington is that you can just purchase either the license, the cannabis license itself, or you can purchase an actual business, which is a big difference with California Humium. California is a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially because, you know, Washington has been legal since... It's, Washington's one of like the model states for cannabis, and California just still said, fuck you, we're doing it different. Um, <laughs> so in California... To get a license, you need, I mean, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before in the California licensing episode, um, but uh, but yeah, so you need a state license and a local license, but either way, like, when you're applying for these things, the license is issued to the business. It is specific to whoever applied for the license, so whether it was an individual that applied for the license or whether it was an LLC or a corporation or a partnership that applied for the license, the license is attached. They are not transferable, which is a huge difference. And it, Massive is, difference. And it, it, is, it is a pain in everyone's ass, literally. Because, so like, <laughs> in, so like in Washington, like my, my biggest thing is when I am buying a license, I'm like just buying the license. And, yeah. and it's just it's less liability. I don't have to deal with taxes. Yeah. I don't have to deal with shit. When I'm just buying the assets, that asset in and of itself, just the license. Um, from the seller, I'm like, are you totally done? Unless there's like some underlying issue there where they have IP or they have this business turned into another business, whatever the case may be. But I'm just like, you know, let's just get fucking rid of everything and let them take care of whatever's <laughs> happening. And so we've had clients do that where they sell their business and then they leave like the tax liabilities to the buyer to handle. And that's part of the consideration for the purchase price. Sometimes the purchase price is pretty low because the business has back taxes that need to be taken care of. And so you can kind of make all these creative solutions to try to go ahead and just get rid of, get rid of the whole problem in and of itself. But with California, having the license tied into the business, you really are taking a bite of that big liability apple yeah. and, and just I mean, swallowing it. I mean, it's either merger you can, there's literally the only way you can do it as an M&A. You yeah. have to either merge with the company or you have to acquire the company, period. But what, <laughs> on that period. <laughs> but what comes with that though is because you're, you're not buying not just the license, you're buying the entire business. So you're buying the business's contracts, you're buying the business's IP, you're buying the business's, um, you know, whatever the fuck else that they have, whatever asset, whatever other assets that they have comes with that. So, which is also a heads up to, I've seen so many ads and just bullshit posts about like, hey, they're selling this license in California. No, bitch, you're not selling the license, you've got to sell the company. So unless your license is, Unless your business is fucking in, in like not in operation and you know it's worth nothing, then maybe sure you're selling the license, quote unquote. I did air quotes, you can't see that, but <laughs> um, 
but yeah, but like I said, it's attached to the freaking company. So you gotta you gotta buy everything, which again is a huge thing to think about for both the buyer and the seller. Does the buyer want to buy into the all the debts and the liabilities mm-hmm. and everything else that the previous business had or that the license entity owner uh, license entity uh, license holding entity has? Or, and then from the seller's standpoint, does the seller want to give up all their contracts that they've already, the business... Accounts payable, stuff like that. Yeah. All of that also goes with the license, so... It's a, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge, huge difference, and it, and it makes a really big difference in the pricing yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I think for, for Washington, some people overvalue their license and think they got a $7 million license for sale, <laughs> and it's just like, it's just the license, mm-hmm. and... It just doesn't make any sense. But in California, if you have a business entity that is successful with IP that has a bunch of branding deals kind of going on, a $7 million deal for that and the license is actually pretty on par with the value. But for Washington, yeah, retail. But for Washington, the fact that you can split your license um, is is very, it's very different. Another thing too is that you can actually Split as of right now, you can tell you can split to your producer processor right, license. Right. That's um, another huge difference too. Yeah. yeah, that so there's so you can again within that realm, that is a separate that's a separate asset that you can right. that you can right. sell off. And so you can keep your business with a production license mm-hmm. or the processing license and then sell that other license out to a totally different business. Yeah. And so it's a little it's it's not it's not that crazy for Washington now that I've gotten into it, but it, when you're coming from California into the Washington market, it's really hard to digest. That's yeah. the situation. And then vice versa. You, right. it's, it's hard to see how, even though both states allow for recreational weed, how vastly different yeah. the way that they view the commodity of what is a cannabis license. Yeah. So. And on top of that, like, so producer license in Washington is the cultivation license in California. Um, the processor license in Washington is the manufacturing license in California. Those, and again, as we talked about in the California licensing episode, the produce, the cultivation license is handled by the CDFA, manufacturing is handled by the uh, CDPH. So they're different entities. They're, it's a whole different fucking thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, you can't, I mean, they're not, you can't combine them into one license like you can in Washington and you can't split them because, oh, well, I mean, they're already split, so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There are two different licenses, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> so then, so other considerations that people kind of don't think about, and as we're as we're getting into this, is as understanding that you know you have startup costs. Like it's not, um, it's not just for the the startup cost is not just like the actual license itself but you have to understand as you're registering for the secretary of state that's some money mm-hmm. you're registering for the for your business license that's some money mm-hmm. you also have to look at like where your location is going to be at are you buying the property are you getting a lease for the property oh, like yeah. you, under, you have and to that's understand huge, right? that's a huge that's yeah. a huge 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 um thing to consider is that location is incredibly important for Washington. Again, I'm not sure California is at the Oh, yeah, thing. it's huge. So it's a huge thing. You have to consider where your license is going to be at. Where it can be at. Where it can be at. And trust me when I tell you that having a location and having issues with it is very, very fucking common, yeah. which is why a lot of people want to sell their shit. Because there's some, like, <laughs> there is, it, it. yeah, they're on a time, they're on a timeline. They're on a ticking time bomb to get rid of this shit while it still has some value. And we can get into that later. But anyways, so now you have that. You also have to look at the requirements for your location. Do you have insurance? Do you have the right security and surveillance equipment? Um, not, and this is not even talking about product yet. Yeah. 
We haven't, even, t- we haven't even touched product. We haven't even touched about your inventory, bro. How, yeah, how do you talk about that? So there's a lot of considerations that you have to that take in, which sucks. You have the actual cost in and of itself of your business, and then the actual cost of actually operating your licenses right. are very are very different. Right. Yeah. So it is pretty it is pretty wild. So, so yeah. a lot of stuff to think about, but I mean obviously like if you do this right way properly, if you think about these properly and really thoroughly and you know you have a good plan. And, you know, take it a case, step at a time. Yeah. yeah, let's take it a step at a time. Do you have your business structure? Boom. Do you have your license? Boom. Do you have your cannabis license? Boom. And then once you have that, you you can you can start thinking about, about it, like all those down. other yeah, all mm-hmm. those other costs, you know, but you have to have the basics. Yeah. Your corporation, your business license, your weed license, and then the other costs. Right. You can do this in Excel spreadsheet, you can do it on a fucking napkin, whatever. <laughs> But, but, you know, you really have to think about it. You have to think about that there's all these costs, there's all these moving parts that you have to keep up. And so if it, the way that I see it, running a cannabis business is, is, is like any other business. You, you're either selling weed or you're selling chocolates. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, you have to follow the same rules of running a business. And right. so at the very foundation, at the very foundation yeah. yeah. And is there a lot of shady people out there? Yes. But I promise you that if you can take a minute and slow down to look at these different considerations, you will save yourself a lot of headache. You will save yourself up from being the victim of a lot of fraud that we see in this industry oh, too, yeah. because people just don't Especially understand. California. Yeah. California's fucking shit show, but yes, <laughs> but that's, but that's the thing, right? If you, if you understand these four, these four different distinct points that we discussed today, then you're good. Then you're, you're good. good. I mean, you're you on have, good footing. Yeah. You're on a good, you got a good foundation. You're on yeah. a way. That's important. Mio and Mio, what is our strain? Our strain of choice today. So we conclude, as we always do, with a strain of choice. And today, our strain of choice is called Cynex. It's a hybrid of the parents Cinderella 99 and Vortex. Has a mixture of flavors ranging from sweet citrus to earthy skunk, which I don't know how I feel about that, but still it sounds kind of good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it sounds dank at me, at the least. Um, and the effects are clear-headed and uplifting, perfect for building a positive mindset and stimulating creative energy. Um, which is yeah. what you need to do to deal with this bullshit in um, this cannabis yeah. industry. Yeah. So. All right, y'all. Well, thanks for joining <laughs> us. Episode one of the four-part business series. Come back next week and the week after and the week after that so you can get to know a little bit more of this juicy stuff that me and me will deal with on an everyday basis. basis. We'll talk about expansion, branding, yeah. just growing your business. Taxes. Taxes. Like, we'll have our tax wanna, expert come in here and talk about Don't want to talk about, talk about taxes. I don't want to talk about shit about taxes because I don't know shit. And aren't taxes due soon? I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> Um, as always, you can find me at Fabia Cultiva on Instagram. To find me, uh, Mio at Cultiva on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Um, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye.